I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susan. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the most haunted city on earth. My name is Madison Timmons. And I'm Chris Susie. And we have Eenie with us Yay. again. Yes, 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 yes. Um, the episode that you will be hearing on Saturday, uh, we did film before we're filming this episode. So uh, I apologize if I'm interject things that you don't understand yet uh but basically uh we are going to be doing a Q&A for this episode so uh we have questions that people submitted under our Q&A button on TikTok and we're going to answer them and so since Eni was here anyways we're like she might as well sit in for the Q&A absolutely um, basically we are going to be doing that. And then also just a few announcements. I do have some para junkies that I want to thank. Uh, so we have Ann Ellis, Natalie N, Tessa Reber, Jessica Schroyer, Katie Glotz, Elizabeth and Elizabeth Elliott. So those are all new para junkies over on Patreon. So if you want to become one of those and hear your name on the podcast, you can find us on Patreon. Um, also, we have new blog posts available on our uh, website, hauntedcitypodcast.com. So if you are interested in reading about our opinions on ghosts, then you can find us uh, over there. And then we also have a new Facebook group. So if you want to join your fellow uh, ghost enthusiasts on Facebook, if that's more of your jam than Instagram or TikTok, then you can find it under Haunted City Podcast. So yeah, we're, we've adjusted everything to be Haunted City Podcast and all social media. So it makes it very easy for everybody to find anything. You won't be writing out like a a full sentence. (laughs) Right, exactly. So everything is Haunted City Podcast now. Um, But let's go ahead and dive on into the Q&A. So, all right. First question comes from H.M. Deal, uh, which is a person that we've gotten questions before from. Uh, so he, they were the one that sent in the story about the girl that passed out in the Burger King. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, same person. Different question. Oh, okay. Not related to the not related to the Burger King girl, but. Um, this says, my partner says she hears things and the dogs bark when I'm at work from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. I am so sorry. Your shift is, is so long. long. Shift. I believe they said they worked as a correctional officer. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. yeah. So um, once I'm home, it stops. If it's ghosts, why stop once I'm home? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> Ghosts get intimidated just like people. Right. <laughs> you know, there is definitely uh, lots of stories are involve um, ghosts that uh, prefer one gender to the other who will, who will mess with women but leave men alone or mess with men and leave women alone or, or worse – have positive effects on one gender towards the other. You'll, you'll hear about ghosts who are very kind and gentle with, with males and very vindictive and mean to females. So it's very possible that um, this spirit is just intimidated by your presence. When you show up, the ghost is like, oh, gotta, gotta stop. Maybe it's just making the moves. Right, right. <laughs> Maybe, um, I don't know if your partner in particular, you know, has... Uh, 
is very jumpy or reactive to these sort of situations, but maybe it just is like getting a rise out of her. So that's something I would think is like maybe it knows that it's not going to get a rise out of you or not get the same amount of energy out of you um, or the same amount of energy out of her when you're present. So also a question that I have in particular is I, if you're non-binary and listening to this, please tell me how your ghost interactions have been. Cause I would, I'm very curious as to how it would, um, you know, differentiate because it it does differentiate a lot, like how you just said, but I have not spoken to a a non-binary person about their experience and how it is differentiated. So if you have an experience like that, Send it over to Haunted City Podcast or uh, send it to Ghostmail at Haunted City Podcast because I would really like to know. Um, and maybe we'll bring you on the podcast or something like that. But. Another possibility with this is, so my spouse works at a hospital here in town and his office is right next to the morgue. Oh, uh, And I had to start warding our house because stuff would follow him mm. from work. And we're doing good now. Yeah. Uh, but... It's possible that maybe he had a spirit or spirits follow him from work and they they are aware of his job. And so when he's home, they calm down. That's interesting. That's true because, and we're going off the idea that he works in corrections because that is very much the reaction to a guard is you you calm down, you pipe down. Also worth noting uh, the idea that you feel safer in numbers. So the more people that are present, the less likely a spirit is to infringe because it's hard to manipulate uh, two people, whereas manipulating one person is a little easier. And, and the more people that show up, and we talk about this when we go ghost hunting, sometimes you can bring too many people on a ghost hunt. Right. Mm-hmm. And it really deadens all of the activity because the spirits are not really interested in, in, in spreading themselves that thin. So, you know, oftentimes if you do bring a group, you're going to want to isolate. You're going to want to, to spread out and put people in, in areas where they can be alone because ghosts generally don't want to show themselves to more than one person at a time because of the amount of energy involved in that kind of activity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's just my two cents of, you know, I think it has something to do with, you know, maybe because you seem to be, spiritually aware of things because of the past like you know stories we've heard from you of you know like seeing the mist come out of the girl's mouth and things like that so I feel like it has something to do with the spirit being like I'm not gonna get a rise out of this person especially because you have to be a very strong individual to work in a prison so I mean well, and that's interesting too, because to the point that Amy made, you know, the uh, uh, the very idea that ghosts can hitchhike from right. one location to the next, and uh, we say this too when ghost hunting: never go straight home. You know, always stop somewhere along the way because the spirits, if they do attach to you, are looking for a place to unload as well. They're looking for the new home. So if you go straight to your house from a haunted location, the ghost could try to settle into your into your home and try to find a way to exist there. And one of the most uh, precious things to a spirit is that connection to have some connective thing where they can bother a person or you know, right. at the very least get that kind of attention to secure or anchor themselves. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. So go get tacos after you ghost hunt and right. so right. you can haunt the taco place. We, 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 <laughs> so- we are 
our uh, you know uh, Waffle House. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you go go get uh, go get some eggs. <laughs> that is another topic that one day I feel like in a mini episode we should talk about is how many people get freaking murdered at a Waffle House. <laughs> Have y'all I got read about, about that, that too? Like <laughs> I got stories about that. Yes, yeah. like I don't know what it is about a Waffle House, and maybe it's just because they're so plentiful in the South. But goodness gracious, and they're open twenty. But they're open twenty four hours. That's that the that's the thing. They're open twenty four hours. They're inexpensive. They're always in interesting thoroughfares. <laughs> right. So. They're essentially liminal spaces. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that'll be a mini episode one day uh, because <laughs> JT and I recently read through a thread of all the people who have been killed in Waffle Houses, specifically in South Carolina. For some reason, it happens the most. So South Carolina, I think mm. y'all need to pick a different place to murder your people because you're getting caught. So it's go to Denny's next time. Go to Denny's, right. We do not condone <laughs> the murdering of patrons of any breakfast establishment. Uh, just IHOP, you know, I mean. We do not condone. <laughs> Anyways, okay, on to the next question before we uh, cause trouble for ourselves. Um, so this one is from Lola underscore Burns. Uh, what happened to Scad Batgirl after she left? Ed, that's referring to my um, ex-roommate that m- killed a baby bat and drained its blood in my shower. So if you haven't heard that story, go watch our Scad episode. Uh, like I said, we have a lot of really good ghost stories from that episode. But um, yeah, that briefly, if you haven't listened to it, I had this roommate. She was absolutely insane and um she did a lot of practices where you know she was in a way trying to get a rise out of people but specifically saying she you know she drained a bat's blood in my shower with yeah I know and I'm like where did you where did you get the bat and she's like "Mm, you don't need to know and I'm like okay so anyways so Batgirl um after she left has Madison seen her around town since the college days or did she just disappear she did not evaporate into a mist I will tell you that um I don't think she lives here anymore actually uh you know it's actually pretty common for people when they leave SCAD they don't stick around in Savannah usually and so that was my freshman year of college and after that point though it was very weird every time I saw her because I had this I I don't even think I've thought about this for a long time but every time I would see her I would see her often you know because you walk around in various SCAD buildings or I had I didn't have a car here for a long period of time so I would be on the same bus as her or things like that but every time I would see her she would look at me and I get a really sharp pain in my eye oh oh. (laughs) yeah and I'm just like what is that and like and it would go away the second she'd get off the bus and so really she was giving you the evil eye quite literally i'm not kidding interesting that we i have so many stories about the the two weeks that i lived with this individual it's um it's a lot so yeah you don't have a crazy roommate story did you actually go to college right right i'm just saying though she unleashed something in that dorm room and nobody lasted more than six weeks in that room after she left. So I'm just saying, but regardless, point being, I think she lives somewhere else now and um, haven't seen her since. And also that's a pretty potent pac- practitioner when you right. when you really come down to it because being able to do anything of that nature requires 
some will. I mean, that's a lot right. of will right there, especially the uh, the ability to cause you discomfort. Uh, that that's that's some next level practitioner stuff. So here's you know, the thing: she grew up in New Orleans, and ah. so um, you know, I wouldn't doubt that there is some level because she was very into the dark magic sort of stuff. Sure. Well, it, when you're killing an animal, right? At all, yeah, right. Know, that is, you're stepping into some 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 strange territory. Yeah. And I was not in my practice of witchcraft and things like that at that point. I had an understanding of it to a degree, but I was not where I am now. But now looking back on it, I was like, girl, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, and it makes a lot of sense of the way of, you know, uh, way of things going down and things like that. Because I've never been a proponent for, you know, um, killing any animals to begin with. But also just don't use your Ouija board and you know, un- let something in and then not take it with you, please. Like That's just rude. It That's is. Rude. It is just rude. rude. I'm like, come on. But anyways, yeah, to answer your question, no, I have not seen her since, and <laughs> she did not uh, disappear, but she did cause me discomfort in my eye. So there you go. There you go. Um, all right, next story, or not story, uh, question. Hey, guys, from New Orleans. Um, so this is from Lorena Legareta, uh, one. Just wanted to ask, have y'all ever done ghost hunting in New Orleans? If so, what happened? Um, okay, so I have only been to New Orleans one time. And I went for my dad's birthday uh, because he wanted to visit New Orleans again and things like that. And he likes ghosts to a degree, you know, but not nearly as much as I like it. So we did not go ghost hunting. Uh, the closest thing to New Orleans that I did that was paranormal investigative kind of stuff was I went up to the Myrtle Plantation in uh, France, St. Francisville, I want to say, Louisiana. It's about an hour north of New Orleans. And boy, that we got some, I have some stories from that place. It was very, very um, uncomfortable. It was a very energetically uncomfortable place. So I have not done much ghost hunting in New Orleans. I will tell you it's haunted, but that's just from passing by things and whatnot. So have y'all investigated so in New Orleans? I, I too did the Myrtle. Yes. And um, and it is woefully haunted. Um, I went to New Orleans only twice, and I didn't do an investigation, but I definitely did some some poking around. Uh, I definitely As found myself. Does. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I found myself in a number of cemeteries late at night. <laughs> not wise uh especially not new orleans no. <laughs> no no don't don't do that um and and actually just walking around after midnight in new orleans was a terrible idea yeah. uh so i think i had a lot of safety fear that did not involve ghosts per se uh but yeah you most definitely maneuvering through new orleans there is no doubt that the place is haunted and it is haunted in so many varieties of ways. And, and literally just looking at the city, like as you're going through the French Quarter, you have this sense of, ah, yes, this has been like this. This, this right. energy mm-hmm. has been like this. Uh, and we talk about that in Savannah a lot, is the way that the energy moves through a place is established by how long the buildings have been there, how the setup is the same, how the very streets are the same. And that is definitely the sensation you get from just walking through New Orleans. And uh, I, I look forward to doing ghost hunts in, in New Orleans. I just never organized one or, or participated in one. Right. I I grew up going to 
New Orleans because it was only like a six hour drive from where I lived. So I was there before Katrina and after mm-hmm. Katrina. Uh, so I've seen how it's changed. And it is, like you were saying, it is thick with energy, similar right. to Savannah. Uh, people always say that Savannah and Charleston are similar. And I'm like, but on a no. spiritual level, Savannah and New Orleans are yes, similar. We are right, sister linked. cities. Right. Um, and actually, my honeymoon was also in New Orleans, and we went on a ghost tour because you got to do the ghost tours. And they're taking us around, and they're telling us all the stories, and they're trying to take you to places where people have gotten interactions before. And I remember there was a pole outside of one of the buildings, and they were like, sometimes if you touch this, you can feel a vibration. We all touch it. Nobody felt a vibration. We're like, yeah. But then they took us by the LaLaurie Mansion. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. You can feel the evil coming mm-hmm. off of well, She was that a place. monster. She was. Uh, so it's not like I went on a ghost hunt out there. Right. Have I had some encounters? Yes. Because I always say, I don't go looking for the ghosts. They just find me. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, like hands down would not. You could not pay me to go into that place. Uh, right. Yeah, that is, that is evil. Evil, evil, evil. Yes. And we've briefly touched on the LaLaurie. Um, mm-hmm house but we, we can do like a whole different um mini episode if that's something y'all are interested in because that woman was just the worst like in every facet she was murdering people she was enslaving them she was just doing everything bad that you could possibly oh, imagine absolutely. so i can imagine that i did not walk over by it uh, sadly i really well, wanted again, to but it's new orleans deserves its own it right. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's something that we'll just put on the list. Put right. it on the list. These are New going, Orleans. going for season three. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and because when you really break it down, just because there are New Orleans famous ghosts, you know, the ghosts that, that everyone knows. And then mm-hmm. there are these, you know, back alley ghosts, these yes. ghosts that, that are very personal. So it is worth the investigation and the time to, to really sit down and suss it out. But um but I have not organized a ghost hunt there. And maybe that's something that we should do. Uh, again, in the early months of a year, that's your best time to go to tourist destinations. Absolutely. You know, we're coming up on what would be considered the slow season for any touristy town. So um, January, February is a good time to go ghost hunting in those areas. Plus, I've stated before, the cooler the weather, the more active the ghosts. Not to say that New Orleans isn't going to be still kind of, you know, oh, thick with oh, heat, always, yeah, always, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, cooler, not yeah. Yes. as hot. Yes, you've got hot. hot and less hot. Yeah, Quite hot literally, the um, oh gosh, uh, something that I noticed about the New Orleans spirits though is they feel a little bit more aggressive, not in like an angry way, but like just the the way they exert themselves is aggressive and i feel like that's just the nature of cajun people is that they like they they're just passionate individuals and it stays that way even into the afterlife well and you talk about that too uh we were talking like the the difference between charleston and savannah and then savannah and uh new orleans it is about a disintegration of of societal constraint you know, uh, Charleston is very kept together and right. very polished. Uh, Savannah's a little less polished, but still keeps a face. You know, that you could never say that Savannah doesn't value the propriety of things. Uh, and then New Orleans is much more expulsive, much more open and out there and, and, and loud, you mm-hmm. know, ultimately. Um, 
and Savannah and and New Orleans definitely have more of a party vibe. Yes. <laughs> we like our booze. I think you also have like a different demographic of people right. who traditionally exactly. come into yeah. Savannah and New Orleans. Like both these cities are very international, even though Charleston, Savannah, and New Orleans are all port cities. Mm-hmm. You have more people who come and stay in Savannah and New Orleans, right? Right, and that right. that is also going to bring in its own energy, sure. absolutely. And, and the fact that New Orleans, its history as far as 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 its its demographic uh, origins are different than the English. You know, uh, there is there is definitely that uh, the French. You oh know, yeah, heavy, got a lot of French, you know, and a lot of Spanish Cajun vibes. Spanish vibes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so they they literally had different um, belief structures that lead. And you know, if you ever want to know how different a uh, a society can be, it's it's like if you go to Japan and you see how they approach everything. It's so different because they were not raised with the same Western ideals, and then all of a sudden, you 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 realize that just the slightest change can change an entire culture. Absolutely. You know, just the slightest change in belief can make a culture behave entirely different. And it translates through their ghosts because the ones that I experienced in New Orleans, they definitely were like the ones that are like, I'm going to make a bang. I'm going to slam this door. I'm going to do this. Where in Savannah, they're like, opens cabinet, flickers light, (laughs) very subtle sort of things. And I'm like, that's so that it really stands to like, (laughs) you know, tell the different way people hold themselves because when you think of Savannah, it's slow, it's relaxed. Everybody's just like, I'm going to sit on my porch even as a ghost and drink my tea. But right. (laughs) Boo y'all. And then in New Orleans, they're like, I'm here. I'm on the trolley. I'm here. And so, (laughs) right. And so I, I think it's funny to, you know, compare the ghosts and their behavior in ways that even the culture translate into the afterlife. Sometimes people don't want to acknowledge that. <laughs> but anyways, so next question is from King of NACL. I don't know where NACL is, but knuckle. <laughs> but uh, do shadow people have the capability to attach themselves to a person? Would it be considered normal behavior if they rarely made themselves known? That's an excellent so. question because shadow people uh, have a wide range of of, of variation. Uh, for the most part, and I always say to, to me, spirits pass through different phases. You know, there's a full apparition in which they look like the person that they were when they were alive. You know, Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim looks like Uncle Jim. And everybody's like, ah, it's Uncle Jim. Uh, but over time, everybody who knew who Uncle Jim was is gone. And now Uncle Jim's still there. But now he's just a man. Oh, look, it's a man. There's a man there. And so he's losing features as it, as it comes. And it gets to a point where it's like, there's someone here. There's something here. He's lost all features. He's just a shadowy existence in a place. Now, that is different than a shadow person who could very well just be a non-human entity. Right. A thing that is not of this world or of this plane and is now being perceived by us. Uh, so, you know, the, the variation of those two, the Uncle Jim shadow person is not going to follow you. Um, he's fading from existence. Uh, but he's desperate <laughs> and could and can affect a lot of change because 
he's looking for identity. He's looking for, you know, so you, you can, you can encounter a shadow person like a person who has, who has, who has lost his form and is now trying desperately to be something and, and looking to you for guidance. Then there's the shadow people that are shadow people because they don't have any perceptible uh, depth or persona. They're just present. Those entities oftentimes are watchers. They tend to, to lurk, they're lurkers, and they can attach to you. If they like you, they'll follow you for the rest of your days because there's something about you that interests them or inspires them. Uh, we don't know what they are, so we don't know what they're looking for. <laughs> but I've heard lots of stories of people who, who had an encounter when they are very young seeing the shadow person in their room, and then over the course of their lives, they will see the shadow person over and over again. Uh, the most famous one in my mind is Hatman, mm-hmm. who I don't believe is a person who died and its spirit is living i think it is some kind of extra dimensional other plane you know jt's not here so we'll say demon or you know can be any of those things but uh because of that variety it's a very hard question to answer right. you know uh, the blanket answer is yes of course uh yes of course a, a any spirit can find and attach to you if you have the right energy you know, if, if your energy gives them reason to uh, to want to follow you, then, yeah, I think that's true. Even the, the Uncle Jim analogy that I gave you, if there's something about you that gives the spirit hope or, or purpose, it'll anchor to you. It'll, it'll hold on to you. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the, the blanket responses. Yes. Yes, <laughs> to yes. a degree. <laughs> I mean, I will say, though, um, you know, typically these kind of uh, shadowy figures in the more, and I'm talking more so in the realm of a non-human entity of sorts, they're kind of like these just parasitic leeches that just like to um, use your energy. I used to have one for a while when I was younger, now that I'm older and I am more aware of, you know, how to keep things away from me when I don't want them there. You know, I used to have like a shadow person, especially people I will say who are more psychically gifted or have more paranormal or spiritual abilities. They tend to be the the beacon of light that, you know, those leechy kind of creatures want to hold on to because they're, you're such a bright energy to them and you exert a lot of energy, especially when you don't know how to control it yet, where you're like, I don't know how to close myself off. I don't know how to do these things. They take advantage, not in a bad way necessarily. Like they don't cause harm to you. It's just more annoying and draining of your energy of a sort. So it's definitely, I would agree, you know, those are more likely to be the ones who attach themselves. But other times, you know, if it's just a a low energy ghost of some sorts. Yeah, you really don't need to worry about them. It is with shadow people. It is a broad spectrum. Right, it is a broad spectrum. And, absolutely. And again, we're all just kind of trying to make sense of it because, like in the paranormal field, nothing nothing is concrete. No. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely uh, so, like, we're all just doing the best we can. We've all got our theories, and I feel like everybody is right to some extent. Um, but just like in Real life and in the afterlife, nothing is permanent. Everything is in a state of flux. So can stuff attach to you? Yes, but you can also do something about that. You're not stuck. 
So there's always, there's always hope. So if you do feel like something's attached to you, you can take steps to get rid of it, uh, to protect yourself, to shield yourself. So yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can do that with living people too. Yes. Oh, it's so true. (laughs) There are plenty of living people who are, who are draining you, who are, (laughs) who who find you and, and take advantage of you and, and you feel like you can't get away. Mm -hmm. That is one of the, the traps especially in the paranormal environment, because a lot of people speak in absolutes uh, and I will say things that seem like absolutes, but no, it's, it's all observational guessing. You know, it's like, I have a good idea that this is what it is. But in the end, the truth of the matter is we have a lot more power than we ever mm-hmm. take credit for. We have a lot more agency in everything that happens to us. So when, when, a, when a spirit attaches to us or when a person attaches to us, we still have agency. We still have the right to um, dismiss these people and these things from our lives. So yeah, um, what, uh, what very often happens is people, because they don't understand it, they feel like there's nothing they can do about it. Right. But you do not have to understand something to get away from it. Mm-hmm. You just have to take those steps. You have to do a little legwork and be assertive. Yeah. Uh, stand set up. Set your boundaries. Yeah, set mm-hmm. boundaries. Because, and it, again, do this for living people too. <laughs> there are a lot of living people out there who who will come into your lives and wreak havoc. And you can, you know, say no you know, stay away. We like to call them energy vampires. Energy vampires. Um, yeah, because they there are some people, and I, I'm pretty sure everyone knows one, where they, you just, you spend time around them, and you're like, wow, I don't ever want to do that again. Um, also, we don't want to diminish the fact that these people can be dangerous, and these things can be dangerous, so seek out authorities in that case. Make yeah. sure that you're, you're dealing, you know, appropriately with everybody. Right, exactly. Um yeah, it it is true though. You there's plenty of ways that you can defend yourself against things, but you know, it's not even just like shadow people or, you know, things of that nature that can be annoying. Like even your house spirit or whatever, you can tell them like, "Hey, can you stop like doing that because it's irritating?" Um we had to do that with Jim before we realized it was Jim. You know, because I I think like at the very beginning of us doing this podcast, I told the story of how Jim liked to get attention was he liked to leave the back door open and JT being a security freak, you know, where he's like, every door has to be locked. Every like window has to be locked to like yada, yada, yada. And so he would get really upset when the back door would be wide open. Cause he's like, somebody could have got in and things like that. And then, you know, he tested it one day when he was home alone and the door would open, uh, like the back door was wide open, even though he was in the living room and the door to that room to get out to the backyard was closed. So nobody pushed it open, nothing like that. The dogs are like this big, you know, they're not going to push the door open. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Argyle figuring that out, but it was, you know, Jim. And so he was like, you need to talk to the ghosts. And so <laughs> I, I like just basically set the boundary. I was like, Hey, you can make your presence known. Like, I know you're here, but like, can you not open the door? Like just, you're going to give JT a heart attack. He's going to keel over if you continue doing this. And he stopped. And so sometimes you just, they don't realize that it's bothering you and they're just trying to get the attention. Sure. So they're, and they're like, okay, I'll just do something else. Then knocks glass over, you know, and so, and not to trivialize how hard it is sometimes to right. get to get spirits and people to respect your boundaries. Exactly. Sometimes you do have to do 
a lot of work, but but it's yeah, it is. Everything is fluid. Everything is approachable. You can do something. Don't don't feel penned in by any any entity that is obstructing your comfort. Yeah, Jim is a very reasonable ghost, so uh, pretty easy to get him to stop doing things. But yeah, um, so. Definitely. And we could do, again, a whole nother episode if people want to know more of the, I am more knowledgeable on the witchy ways to defend yourself. Sure. But anywho, so this next question is Blue Pink Mermaid asked, could you talk about Zozo and rate him? <laughs> I w- <laughs> to, uh, one out of ten would not recommend so, so, but <laughs> one star <laughs> would give zero stars if i could but yeah. uh, from a design aspect zozo is very appealing to the it's funny I, um there's actually a, when i was writing these questions down i refreshed myself on like the zozo like phenomena and whatnot because it's been a long time that one like really got pulled out of the back of my brain and so i i looked up like zozo to refresh and there's a company in japan called zozo now mm-hmm. and i was I just like it. <laughs> it's like this random software company sure. and i'm just like so that's the first thing you come up with and i'm like oh well i need to type some more descriptive <laughs> details here so that google knows that i don't want that i want the creepy stuff i tried never to actually uh to look up zozo if i can help it um yeah that's yeah, he was he was pretty hot for a while there. He, he was, was very hot. Uh, everybody wanted to talk about the the Ouija board ghost, the Ouija board demon. You know, it's, and um, I had actually come across a person who was saying that one of the interesting things about Zozo as a presence was that um, if you're looking at the board sideways, his name is No No. <laughs> the Z becomes oh. an N. And that was one of the one of the first indicators that you're dealing with him was traveling from the Z to the O back and forth. Yeah. So, 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 so. And he was like, I think, you know, what you're really doing is you're coming to a threshold where everything is is trying to tell you to stay back. You know, That's don't, really interesting don't get in any any closer. Well, and that it was one of those things because a lot of people will talk about how Ouija boards misspell things mm-hmm. and, and how oftentimes that misspelling will be your tip off as to what spirit you're dealing with because um, I had a friend who was obsessed with his Ouija board and um, he thought he was talking to a wide variety of people, but the wide variety of people were always misspelling the same words. Oh. And I was like, so I don't think you're talking to a wide variety of people. And what we, we ultimately determined is most spirits are very covetous of the, of the Ouija board. So if there's a spirit attached to the Ouija board, it doesn't allow for a lot of different spirits to communicate. So you're dealing with one spirit, one spirit that holds on very tightly. So, um, yeah, and this is this deserves a whole episode too. Yeah, <laughs> um, because it's it's an interesting phenomenon. It's an interesting topic, and you know, Zozo Pazuzu, the, the demon, you know, ilk, is definitely worth the conversation. Uh, and as far as rating a demon, um, if 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 it's one to ten on damage, or if it's one to ten, I think on, they're referring to you know, how we do for or... for one to wicked, where we're like ten is the most wicked it oh, could sure. be. And 
You know what? We'll we'll save our rating. We'll save after our ratings. we do it from one to wicked because I do a lot of research for those particular episodes, and I will come through with all of the facts uh, I can find on Zozo. So I'll give you a we'll we'll give you a better rating. You know, once we do that, um, so just, just keep an eye out for <laughs> right. But I will tell you though, um, from my brief you know research this morning, you know when I was like looking through and stuff just to see kind of, you know, some different points to talk about with Zozo. But basically what it seemed like kicked the phenomenon off of all these floods of people talking about the same experience was this guy named Ethan who was messing around with the Ouija board. And it's the same experience that everybody has is they think they're talking to a dead relative where they're like so surprised that the board knows all these personal details about their relative and stuff. And then all of a sudden it does the blah, 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 you know, and they start panicking and then they hear a voice say that they're, it's going to take their firstborn son. And, but with Ethan, his experience was, is that Zozo told him that, he was going to take his whole family to paradise and he asked what's paradise. And then it spelled out hell on the board. And so he panicked and he ran to the bathroom, uh, where his baby was, where his, his girlfriend or wife of some sort, some sort of relationship like that was, you know, bathing the one-year-old baby in the bathtub or something like that. And he goes in there and the girlfriend's not there and the baby is drowning in the bathtub. And he posted this experience and all these people came through and they're like, I had an experience with Zozo. I had an experience with Zozo. But there are datings back to um, like the 1800s and some say even the 1500s of demonic possession cases. Like there was this one girl in like, I think 1812, who was supposedly possessed by three demons, one of them being Zozo. I will give you more specific details when I do the one from Wicked. This is off of just my brief memory. But basically this one girl, you know, she was possessed by all these demons or so. And she would, you know, walk on her hands and, um, you know, with her legs in the air and she'd run backwards with like, you know, true, like, like Hollywood yeah, style, classic, classic exorcism, <laughs> classic exorcism stuff. But basically, um, you know, uh, she would always say that like Zozo wants uh, wants to take me to paradise or something like that is what she would say. And I'm like, hmm, interesting, yeah, interesting choice of words, right? That's and so there's a lot to go off with Zozo. I don't know if Zozo is just like a name that we've now given the demon or if it is yeah. a particular demon because some people like to say it's Pazuzu which is like a, Meth- a Mesopotamian god some people like to say it's Saturn which is a whole different pantheon so you know but I'm like because Saturn was like the ruler of the underworld essentially of demons and whatnot so I'm like mm, it wouldn't be a god in my opinion a god's not going to talk to you through the you right. know through well, the spirit and, board but and that's that's the the issue is entomology. That's right. <laughs> really when it comes down to it, uh, because in many cases, the stories are similar, but they're also very personal too. You know, so it's, it's really weird because in my recollection of Zozo, it's almost always a precursor of possession. Possession is the key tool of, of Zozo by 
story by folklore by you know however you follow it up so yeah you are dealing with a a possible type of entity versus a specific entity um it's that the legion concept Mm -hmm. you know the idea that there are countless spirits out there and this one friend of mine who 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 was on a zozo kick you know i'll I'll, i will will, point that out you know he he, yeah exactly (laughs) he he, he just kind of fell into it you know got a piercing did the whole night no uh he um he was he was of this idea that that zozo as a word as a as a term is a warning Mm-hmm. of what's to come you know it's 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 beware 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 um which i found very interesting because i'd never heard that anywhere else i'd never seen it or read it but th- he was convinced that some other force was actually grabbing hold of the you know the oracle you know trying to move it so that you weren't no longer communicating um so it's like the last step before something bad happens right so you know how you avoid this? Don't mess around with Ouija boards. Just don't do it, you know? It's, don't do it. Just don't do it. You can do other forms of divination that are less, you know, like, connective in that way. Like, you know, but maybe just don't, like, ask questions. Or, <laughs> right. And, you know, try to get answers through a Ouija board. It's just, like, the fact that there's a Ouija board demon to begin with. And I'm just like, <laughs> come on, let's, y'all. Let's, let's start there. <laughs> yeah. So, like, let's just not do it as I wear my little Ouija board pen. But, you know, it's... um. No, there's no end of fascination to the Ouija right, board. And, yeah. right. and, and in the end, it, it, everything's opportunistic. And uh, I always say don't use the Ouija board, but it's, it's, it's not as much of a declaration as it is. There's a way to get carried away with, yeah. with anything that can be damaging. You know, it is, um, it's rife for addiction. You know, uh, the Ouija board, I've seen people really go down that rabbit hole. But I've also seen them do it with tarot cards. I've also seen them do it with any type of divination or things where they start to forfeit their own ideas and their own uh, autonomy for the answers that they get somewhere else. And it's like, you should probably derive the answers of your life from yourself. Uh, it's great to have these advisors. It's great to have this input. I'm not saying don't get them. I'm just saying there comes a point at which you are no longer living your life, but you are taking a prescription for life. You know, it's like, oh well, this says you got to take that job in Cleveland. Oh, I hate Cleveland, but if the cards say so, I'm right. going to Cleveland. <laughs> I guess I'm so going to Cleveland. I I grew up. I was born in 1981, and I grew up in an evangelical family during the satanic panic. Oh, sure. Mm. Uh, so, literally everything could have a demon. If you play Dungeons and Dragons, oh, you're going to get demon-possessed. Oh, if you listen to the wrong kind of music, you're going to get demon-possessed. Uh, if you go to this party, you're going to get demon-possessed. Right. Like, demons were everywhere in the 80s. It was wild. Uh, but now that I'm not evangelical, uh, looking at all of that, it's it's so fascinating to me because... People who said they were Christian, who believed in a higher power, in God, were also putting their faith into something else. Yeah. So I think a lot of this also has to do with your faith. What are you putting your faith into? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we've discussed this like on a much wider scale. The universe is what we make of it. <laughs> Reality is a consensus of our ability to believe in it. Uh, there's so many things that go into the idea that if a spirit 
harms you or if it's coming for you, that there was there there is an opening for it in your belief and faith structure, even if you devoutly condemn or push away these things. Uh, one of the hard the one of the hard truths of 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 worshiping a god is that you oftentimes have to accept the 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 existence of the opposite of what because almost every deity has some kind of anti-deity some kind of right. you know uh, uh, and and in some cultures it's the same deity just on a bad day you know and so you will find that uh that your faith absolutely helps determine what what kind of spiritual dilemma you're getting into and sometimes having a strong and solid faith that protects you and we and you know uh, a lot of religious people will 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 point you towards faith as a protection which is true faith does protect you uh but you can't fake it <laughs> you can't mm-hmm. so you have to find something that you do believe in you have to find that thing that you do because you you can't just take face value as like oh well this this cross is going to work it's like well do you believe in that cross because if you don't believe in the cross then it is just a piece of jewelry or it's just mm-hmm. this thing so it is um it is the faith behind whatever it is which allows for uh witchcraft to work so well for some people because they understand and believe and have faith in it and and you and you follow that up with anything, really, because mm-hmm. even even the strength of atheism—that's what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> is, is a faith that nothing you know, nothing like that exists, and that faith is strong. Yeah, if you've and, met and, a staunch it, atheist, yeah, you'll know it. Yeah, it's impenetrable, and that protects them in so many ways. But doubt is a kind of faith, mm-hmm. <laughs> and doubt is is it's not the opposite of faith. It's actually a faith in what if. You know, it's a faith in the other. So occasionally those staunch atheists, those staunch people will encounter something and their their protective faith is hindered by their doubt faith, you know, the faith in, in, in their doubt. So, yeah, interesting conversation point. So there you go. So now that we uh, have rotated all the way through um, <laughs> all of uh, the things you can talk about when it comes to demons, um, we will do, like, a whole episode on Zozo. And like I said, I'll do, like, a thick, you know, research, and we'll, we'll rate Zozo, and JT will give it a 10 or something like that, you know. Um, <laughs> but we are going to wrap things up, though. So... Thank you, Eni, for joining us for the Q&A. It's Thanks always nice you. to have another opinion in on the conversation, uh, you know, because Chris and I have our our um, ideas of how things go, but it's always refreshing to have somebody else, too. So, Absolutely. Um, definitely. And then uh, we will have Eni's episode where we are talking about, you know, all of the fun things of, you know, working in haunted media buildings and whatnot we'll be talking about that in the next episode so make sure to check that out also do make sure that you check out Eni's um tiktok which is salt waves and spanish moss she does all the fun things of you know uh savannah she is if you want to know what's going on in savannah that's good follow her basically that and then also ghosts are there so you know and ghosts and ghosts and And she gives great tours so uh if you're in savannah definitely check her out um and if you do want to follow us on social media, we have, like I said, made everything Haunted City Podcast. So if you want to find us on any platform, just look up Haunted City Podcast and we'll be there. Um, but with that, though, thank you guys again for listening. And my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all. <laughs>